This is Rate of Change, a podcast from Duke Engineering dedicated to the ingenious ways that engineers are solving society's toughest problems. I'm Miranda Falborth. To tackle the really huge issues facing human civilization, climate change, disease, poverty, you have to be able to venture outside the established parameters, try different approaches, search out new paths. You have to be a bit of a rebel. Po Chun Su isn't who you probably imagine when you think rebel. He has short, hair-colored hair, nice shoes, and no visible tattoos. But Po Chun, at the age of 18, did something so crazy and so different from what was expected of him that it made him kind of famous in his native Taiwan. Yeah, of course, as a high schooler, you are kind of curious about everything. And what, uh, what intrigues me the most is uh, one of that was um, sneakers. Uh, and I, there, there was, I, I remember there was a pair which has like a very beautifully special um, iridescent color. And I couldn't help but wondering what that was, what's the material inside. Do you still have those sneakers? No. <laughs> <laughs> it was that bewitching pair of holographic sneakers that set Po Chun on his path to rebellion. Uh, in Taiwan, we have the so-called entrance exam, which is kind of like SAT in the U.S. Uh, you take the test, get a score, and apply for schools based on the scores, your GPA, and other stuff. In Taiwan, it's the department who gives the admission, not the university. So that means the high schooler really need to decide the major before entering the college. But most people just use their scores to apply to whatever uh, school has the highest score threshold. Um, so for me, I knew I like material science very much, so I just decided to go straight to do that. Po Chun will not say this outright, but he was the top student in his graduating year nationally, and he chose to go into material science, even though he would have been admitted to departments with higher thresholds, like medicine or electrical engineering. Pursuing one's passions, Po Chun told me, was not the norm in Taiwan at that time. And people went crazy, telling him that he was wasting his high score and that he was going to regret the decision that he was making. Fast forward to 2019. Po Chun is living the dream, his dream anyway, as a new faculty member at Duke University in the Department of Mechanical Engineering and Materials Science. His research lab works on light and heat management, focusing on dynamic controls. Imagine you so you, you can see things through thermal camera. That means we are radiating a lot of heat, which can be captured by the infrared camera. And what I'm doing is, instead of just letting those radiation coming out without any control, if we can block those radiation, then we can keep those heat around you, make you feel warmer. And if you can maximize those radiation, uh, freely transmit to the ambient, meaning we can make you f uh, feel much, much cooler. Here's why this topic is so important and why Po Chun's research holds so much potential to serve society. Right now in the U.S., space heating and cooling accounts for 14% of our total energy consumption. That's 648 
million tons of CO2 produced every year just from heating and cooling. Our dependence upon indoor climate control produces a very troubling feedback loop in which these huge CO2 emissions contribute to global warming, which in turn causes us to use more power to keep our environments cool, which leads to more emissions and more climate change. So the reason that space heating and cooling consume so much energy is because we are trying to heat up or cool down the entire building, which is gigantic compared to our uh, body area and volume inside. Um, so the personal thermal management is really to locally regulate the thermal comfort around the residence and ignore the empty space and all the dead objects. What he's saying is that if we could just create our own little climate-controlled bubbles, we'd save a ton of energy because we wouldn't be heating or cooling empty space. If you do the math and calculate what's uh, required energy to provide the comfortable environment just around us, not the entire building, you'll get the number about 10 times off. That means what we are consuming, which is the 14%, we actually need just 1.4% instead of that. So there's a huge room for improvement. And my approach is to engineer the textile so they have special uh, property that can either maximize or minimize the thermal radiation heat loss. He approaches textile engineering at the nanoscale, making polyethylene into nanoporous fibers that allow water and air to pass freely through the textile, or using metal nanowires to trap heat. The reason we made it into nanoporous is to make it soft enough and also breathable. So as long as we make it into a fiber shape and we spin it into yarns, and the textile that's uh, woven out of that is really as soft and as comfortable as uh, cotton. So again, metal and wires is to provide a uh, infrared or thermal radiation shield so that can reflect your infrared back. And the reason of using nanowires is again to keep your textile breathable because now we are having a network which has large enough pore for water and for moisture to transport, but uh, small enough to reflect the, reflect the radiation. And the principle is like everyone has a microwave oven. And on the, on the door, there's a mesh of metal with tiny holes. So you can see through the, the tiny holes so you can see whether your food is cooked or not. Or, or, or not. the microwave cannot escape from the oven. So imagine those, uh, th those meshes are now nanoscale. What we are doing is we have those uh, nanowire to block the infrared. And now the smaller things like uh, water molecule or air molecule can freely pass through. And wearing those textiles during wintertime or summertime means you can reduce the usage of space heating or cooling, but still feel the same thermally comfortable environment. And you're wearing a very lightweight clothing. So, and exactly how much energy saving will depend on the climate zone you are, but generally speaking, increase or 
increase the air conditioner set point or decrease the heater set point by 1 degree Celsius can save about 10%. And our cooling textile can save about 30% of the energy, and heating can save about 50% of the energy. Has anybody to like tried to wear that textile? Yeah, we actually did have a... Uh, uh, we actually put those uh, raw material and asked the outside factory to make a real uh, woven textile for us. And from my personal point of view, it's not distinguishable between our textile and traditional cotton textile. Really? It's soft, it's lightweight. Um, I think the only, the only difference is you feel much cooler. <laughs> so do you, have, do you have your own t-shirts like at home? <laughs> uh, it was probably $1,000 to make, so oh <laughs> I, don't, I don't keep one. Well, it's, it's, all, it's all come down to uh, whether this process can be uh, compatible with the current milling and fiber spinning uh, factories. Mm -hmm. But we are quite confident that with the given market search and given uh, solving by solving some engineering problem, this really can can go into uh, can combine with traditional textile industry mm -hmm. and scalable in a scalable way. After working on ultra heating and ultra cooling, he took it a step further and started working on reversible textiles. They can heat on one side, and when you flip them over, they can cool on the other side. Radiation is a surface property, uh, just like colors. We know uh, things can have different colors, although have that they have the uh, same bulkiness and same porosity. So this uh, reversible dual-mode textile is uh, the first demonstration how radiation heat management can achieve something that cannot be done by traditional textile. And that leads us to uh, the next stage of research, which is to expand this tunability and tunable range to become even uh, smarter thermal textile and to take advantage of the dynamic environment for more energy saving. Uh, one example is to combine uh, thermal radiation control with sunlight control. And when we place those textiles to, for example, the rooftop or uh, tent material, it can absorb the sunlight and reduce uh, thermal radiation loss for heating during winter times. And in the summertime, it can do the opposite, which is to reflect sunlight and promote thermal radiation loss for efficient cooling. And this dynamic uh, smart uh, textile material can save energy from a different uh, approach by manipulating a different uh, spectrum of light, which is sunlight and thermal radiation. So th that material in that application would need to be tunable by somebody controlling it, right? Right, because we are living a constantly changing environment. We have winter, summer, and even daytime fluctuation can be something like 20 degrees Fahrenheit sometimes. So it's really important to have something that's smart enough to maintain, uh, to keep up with the change, and it can provide the maximum comfort for human being or the maximum energy saving for the building. Can you tell me about the different ways that that material could be tunable? Yeah, so we are exploring uh, a, a variety of different options. For example, we can do it in a mechanical way, by stretching uh, or compressing, we can have a different optical properties. 
and we also try to use uh, electricity to control uh, or to induce such change. Where do you expect your research to be five years from now? Yeah, so uh, of course we're gonna push the performance higher and higher, making them heater, uh, hotter or cooler. Uh, but I also anticipate to combine the dynamically controlled thermal textile with uh, wearable sensors to provide a uh, optimal thermal comfort to the users. Or we can sort of close this uh, controlling loop by feeding those uh, physiological and environmental data to the textile and let the textile itself to adjust the optimal uh, thermal property to fit the preference of the users. At this point in my conversation with Po Chun, I start daydreaming about things like blankets that adjust to my body temperature throughout the night. It just seems that there are so many possibilities that haven't been explored. Yeah, whenever I think about this uh, textile research, I, I've, I have a very strange feeling because I know textile has been around with us for thousands of years. And if you compare that with electronics, say smartphone, laptops, which is only decades, but we are we expecting more out of electronics than our textiles. So for us, it's really uh, interesting to see, okay, what if we put our effort which is in the electronic, but now we put it into textile. How much can we achieve? Uh, one example would be, let's say if your textile can be linked to your uh, calendar, uh, who knows where you are traveling next, uh, what's the weather there, and what's the uh, temperature, so the textile can warm up or cool down before you really arrive or uh, it can sense your uh, blood pressure or sense your health condition. So when you wake up in the middle of night, it will warm up so you won't get catch cold. 20 years from now, I wanna see our textile development is as progressive as the, the electronics and other smart uh, technology right now. One of the most uh, important thing is the, for cardiovascular diseases which is, I think, still uh, top one or two diseases, uh, fatal diseases in, in globally. And for those kind of diseases, it's really important to prevent the happening uh, compared to uh, cure, uh, curing it. And I think one of the uh, uh, approaches is to really provide a uh, um, comfortable and uh, stable uh, thermal environment, so there is no sudden increase of blood pressure, and there is no sudden uh, change in those uh, in those environment. And I think I, I want to use this uh, textile as a preventive medicine, um, kind of like uh, combining with the health sensor, so it can really um, prevent the occurrence of those uh, heart attack and brain stroke and that that kind of diseases. Remember how I said that Po Chun is kind of famous in Taiwan? Right after he started at Duke, there was a massive spike in the number of views to his faculty webpage. So many, in fact, that we initially thought our web traffic data was wrong. Most of the traffic originated in Taiwan, where people are tracking Po Chun's career, eager to see how the choices this rebellious researcher made 15 years ago are now playing out. 
and there was a lot of chatter online about how his career was shaping up. Well, you do something different. Uh, you expect a lot of uh, different opinions. And uh, some people, of course, uh, were happy for me, uh, finally seeing some uh, young person uh, fulfilling the, uh, his dream. Of course, some other people feel like, uh, uh, even though I'm, uh, I'm doing a research, I'm a professor right now, um, they still kind of judge, uh, judge me based on, the, for example, the salary and other stuff that I don't really care about. So, so it's really about uh, the value that people, uh, people have in, in, in the mind. Um, but I feel like if I can sort of um, set a, as a small example on what you can also, you can possibly also achieve if you are as uh, rebellious and stubborn as, uh, enough like, like me, then you can one day uh, do whatever you like. And don't take other critics too seriously because they're not the one who's gonna live your life. Uh, you are. So what do you think is the future of Po Chun's research? A few years from now, will you own a jacket whose properties you control with your smartphone? Will our tunable rooftops help keep our offices a stable 70 degrees? Will Po Chun have made a dent in the world's energy consumption? Thanks for listening. Subscribe for updates from Duke Engineering. And if you learned something from this podcast, please share it with others.